On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the new Model S finally starts to get out into the wild, and we now know more about Tesla's next-gen smart shifter feature. Plus, I reminisce about the five-year anniversary of the Model 3's unveiling. Elon Musk says something interesting about Cybertruck's doors. You can now purchase a Tesla using Bitcoin and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for the March 28th episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. It's episode 295 to my left. Daisy the Boxer, who is doing one of her favorite things, which is looking longingly out the window at anything that goes by. Well, it's yet another busy week of Tesla news. I'm looking forward to going through all of it with you. First, a quick public service announcement. The monthly Google Hangout for my Patreon backers will be next Sunday, April 4th. At noon Pacific, that's 3 p.m. Eastern. Invites should be going out right about now. You probably have it in your inbox now if you're uh, one of the folks that'll be able to join me for that. It's for both new backers as a one-time sort of welcome slash thank you invitation, and then the maximum plaid tier folks get invited every month. I'm looking forward to this once again. I tell you, these have been super fun. They've, they've been so fun, in fact, that the last one last month went for something like an hour and 20 minutes when it was scheduled for an hour. And that's actually a failing of on my part. I need to be more respectful of people's time on this, but I am having a great time. I look forward to seeing all of you in there, or many of you, hopefully. Also this week, we have the end of quarter push for Tesla. So I just wanted to wish good luck and a smooth week to everybody on the Tesla team during what is always a super, super busy production and delivery stretch. I know the uh, EOQ is just never easy, whether it's Q1 or Q4, although Q4 arguably probably the the crunchiest of all. But uh, I just want to say out there to all the Tesla employees listening to this, and I know a number of you, that we are thinking of you and we appreciate your efforts bringing all those new Teslas into, into new happy owners' homes. Next up this week, this was brought to my attention. I hadn't even realized that it's the five-year anniversary of the unveiling of the Model 3 to the world. It happened on March 31st, 2016. How the heck was this half a decade ago already? I mean, look at how far Tesla has come in that time. The Model 3 is at full production. The Model Y, I mean, all this stuff. Remember, in 2016, Tesla was still just such a niche little company. I mean, technically, in the grand scheme of the auto industry, they still are. But you know what I mean. I mean, they've they've come a long way in that time. It wasn't easy, but Tesla did successfully bring the Model 3 to mass production, which, by the way, so many people doubted them along the way. And not just short sellers, but other automotive executives, other car companies. I mean, they had people naysaying them at every turn. They've won plenty of awards along the way. As I mentioned a second ago, they successfully launched the Model Y in that time. They unveiled the Cybertruck and picked up, they picked up more reservations for that than they had even for the Model 3, probably in the 3 and the Y combined, I would imagine. And by the end of this year... Tesla will have factories open on three continents with a second one in North America, two on this continent, which is just amazing. So fantastic. You know, my day that day was crazy. It was one of the most memorable days in my Tesla life, which started, as I've told you, 2009 was my when my Tesla journey started. And, and boy, March 31st, 2016, I guess technically it started on March 30th of that year for me. So I was on a family trip, an extended family trip in Hawaii, but you know, we didn't know exactly when the model three unveiling was going to be. We knew it was coming, but uh, the family trip gets booked way in advance. And as it so happened, of course it overlapped. So I made the decision. I flew home early from a family trip in Hawaii. uh, And so I get home by myself I tried to sleep that night because they were going to be taking the reservations starting when the stores opened at 10 a.m. the next morning. I couldn't sleep. 
So I thought, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go down and just get in line right now and I'm going to more or less kind of camp out there. I remember I got to the Tesla Palo Alto location at about 12:30 a.m. I was the 14th person in line. There were already 13 people in front of me and uh, the the people in front of me had kindly they had a sign-in sheet. You know, they were they were you know, just on good faith, keeping track of everything so that if you needed to step away to find a restroom or something to eat or something, you wouldn't lose your place in line. Nobody would argue with you about it. And and I, uh, I camped out with a whole bunch of people that night and had a phenomenal time, I have to say. I got very little sleep. I did manage to get a little bit. I had my, my sleeping bag and slept on the, the sidewalk in front of the store along with, you know, a bunch of other people and uh, it was just a, it was a crazy, crazy night. It was just a weird time. And we had, remember, we hadn't even seen the car yet. The car wouldn't get unveiled until the night of March 31st at the event down in Hawthorne, adjacent to Los Angeles, their suburb, suburb of LA rather. Uh, and, and what I did was the morning came around and the Tesla store opened and I got right in since I was 14th in line. I put in my reservation. I went home and I kind of milled around for a little bit and then packed a bag and I went to the airport and I flew down to LA to go to the Model 3 unveiling, which I'd kindly been invited to. And and then I got to be there to see the car that I had just spent the previous night camping out overnight for roll out onto the stage. And I remember just exhaling going, Oh, thank goodness I like it. <laughs> the car came out. I didn't know what if it was going to be some ugly thing. I mean, the odds were low because Franz von Holzhausen is a very talented designer and his team. But, you know, I didn't know. But thankfully, I, I fell in love with the Model 3 pretty quickly. And then, of course, as part of that event, I was lucky enough to get a test ride in the Model 3 Alpha prototype that night. In fact, here is a clip of the audio from that test ride just for a quick trip down memory lane. Will that front piece of uh, panoramic glass be uh, openable or be retractable or? Up here? Yeah. Yes, we'll have both um, available both as fixed glass or as a metal roof or as a uh, panoramic Excellent. sunroof type roof. So I saw all wheel drive in the in the deck, but yeah. is it rear wheel drive when it's two wheel drive or front wheel drive? Rear wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah. The gentleman you heard answering my question there in the car he was driving, that was Doug Field, former executive at Tesla from that era. He had come from Apple, joined Tesla's manufacturing guy, and ended up leaving Tesla and going back to Apple. Anyway, uh, the plan for the roof obviously changed. I thought I would play that clip just because, you know, it's interesting now to look back on that and what the original plan was. We obviously never got the panoramic roof. And the metal roof that he mentioned almost went into production on the standard range, not the standard range plus, but the standard range Model 3 going so far as to even have a render of it on the design studio. If I, if I, think, I think so, if I remember correctly, I know they talked about it for sure. I think there was a render as well. But in the end, Tesla decided to keep every Model 3 the same up top for uh, just, of course, for manufacturing simplicity and efficiency. And as such, every Model 3 that's ever been made has a fixed glass roof. If you want to go back and hear what that day was like, you know, if, if you're newer to Tesla and weren't around in those early pre-Model 3 days when the 3 first got announced and unveiled and the sort of excitement and chatter about that, you can check out episode 35 of this podcast, uh, because I've got the whole the whole day and night covered. I did little like man on the street interviews with my fellow line goers from Palo Alto that I camped overnight with. Uh, there's just all kinds of stuff on that episode. That was a really fun episode. That was a memorable one. All right, but that's the past. Let's fast forward back to the present. On with the current Tesla news. First up, the new Model S has perhaps begun delivering. I did have a listener from San Diego write me to say that his dad just took delivery and that he's been in the car. I asked for pictures, haven't gotten those pictures yet, and I haven't seen anyone else on Reddit or otherwise post about any deliveries. Not that I don't believe that person, but if it's if it's happening, it's happening at an absolute trickle pace so far. But... 
a couple things. One, I saw one for myself. It was on the Embarcadero here in San Francisco just actually yesterday morning as I record this on late Friday night. Sadly, I didn't have an opportunity to take a picture because I was going one way and the Plaid S was going the other way. My light had just turned green, so I was just already moving. You know, I, I wasn't stopped. I was already in motion, and then the light turned green, and I just kept right on going. And But I could definitely look over. I was clear that it was a Plaid S because it had the new arachnid wheels, those new 21-inch wheels, red brake calipers, chrome delete. And then when I turned my head, I looked back, and it had no plates whatsoever on it. So that leads me to believe that it was a Tesla company car, and not a customer car, because here in California now we have we have paper temporary tags that go on the back of your car right from when you take delivery of a new car. But anyway, deliveries or not, we did still learn about the interface this week from uh, from some folks that have run into Tesla employees who've convinced them to let them sit in the car and poke around it. And interestingly. You know, despite the fact that the new Model S and soon to be Model X as well, once that starts delivering, the new S and X have the 17-inch landscape-oriented touchscreen. It's not just a carbon copy of the Model 3 and Model Y UI, which makes sense, really, because, of course, even though those are both landscape-oriented screens, the S and the X have the instrument cluster screen, so there's no need to use any of that center screen real estate for the driving visualization. As such, the new SUI has a a whole new look to it. I think it looks very modern, very cool. It's clearly ultra zippy from that MCU3 chip that's in there now, a Ryzen-based chip, which is just wild. Now, some observations from videos that have been posted to Reddit and to social media, since, of course, I haven't been able to play around with it myself as of yet, What I can tell you from pouring over this stuff that's been posted, number one, there is a toggle in the UI for Smart Shift, which means you can turn it off and just manually select gears using the touchscreen if you don't want the car to be guessing for you. Uh, And the quick way to do that, that we learned, is just put your finger on the car icon that's on the far left rail of the screen, uh, screen, closest to the driver, Hold your finger there and drag up to shift up into reverse or down to shift down into drive. I mean, honestly, just looking at the video of it, it seems like a pretty simple, elegant solution. The uh, Even if you take smart shift out of the equation, let's say there was no smart shift at all. This seems like a pretty good way, a slick way to get rid of the physical shifter stalk. Now, I know there are people out there that have dutifully raised the concern well, what if your screen goes out for whatever reason? What if your you know, screen blacks out or you need to reboot or something? Then what? And that is a valid question. That remains to be seen. So we'll see about that. Also in the new UI, there is a drag strip mode, which I'm going to guess is just a more or less renaming of launch mode. And one touch of the button will lower the car into its... uh, This is my guess here. Let me just clarify. I'm guessing that touching that button lowers the car down into the cheetah stance and gets everything ready to launch for you. I mean, I would guess since it says... Now it says drag strip mode, it probably also preconditions the battery as much as it can to get that battery to its optimum launch temperature. There's also a trips menu that we do not have any photos or video of yet, but you can see it there on the left rail. So all I can do is speculate with that, and I wonder if that maybe could include the multi-point, multi-waypoint navigation that Elon, that people have been requesting for a while and Elon said was coming uh, a good little while back now. So that's maybe, we'll see about that one. And then finally, the last item that I was, uh, I've got an observation on, The bottom center row of the 17-inch landscape touchscreen, it's very similar to the 3 and the Y, but it's got a new look to it. So it's got the seat heater controls, fan control, temperature control, plus front and rear defroster controls just anchored to that center bottom of the new screen. So hopefully 
We'll really learn a lot more about the new S ideally by next week's podcast that the deliveries will really start and the community will really start just digging into everything new that's in this car. Speaking of new stuff though, Elon Musk dropped a very interesting new tidbit about the Cybertruck, something that has changed since the prototype. We know it's 3% smaller in overall volume, overall, you know, sort of shape and size. But check this out. A Twitter user asked Elon, would be awesome if Elon had a little bit of time on his hands to maybe tease us with Cybertruck stuff, which is a, a valid attempt. You know, you just, you, you cast your line out and you hope that maybe Elon bites and you, you get you get a nibble there. Well, this person did because Elon replied, apparently in a giving good mood that at that moment, and he responded, there will be no handles, which uh, is very interesting because as you recall, the prototype Cybertruck had Model S style self-presenting door handles that extend from the body of the truck to greet you as you approach it. Now, by going with no door handle at all, you are obviously going to save money on the door handle part itself. Now, I know from the fact that my cousin Pat is an early Model S owner, early 2013, and and from, of course, just keeping an eye on the Tesla community, Tesla has been through a number of revisions on that self-presenting door handle. The early ones were evidently pretty problematic, and if you happen to be out of warranty, they were fairly pricey to replace. And uh, now, seemingly, they're all good to go now. I would Tesla at this point. I mean, after eight years, going on nine years in production, I suspect that the the self-presenting door handles are are pretty reliable. They're they're pretty bulletproof at this point, but. But again, by going with no no door handle at all, you will save a good bit of money on that door handle part, four of them per truck, since there's four doors on the Cybertruck. And then you also would save money, if you're Tesla, on not having to, to cut or stamp holes for those door handles out of the stainless steel door panels. So that's another advantage there as well. Now, I think here... The solutions that that we might see for no door handles as far as how to get into the Cybertruck, there are two solutions that Tesla has already shown us. It is very possible that they'll use some brand new solution, but uh, what we've seen from them before is, number one, the Model X, which, yes, does have a door handle, but it is not needed for actually technically any of the doors. Uh, For the front two doors specifically, it auto sense the car auto senses the key fob approaching and it automatically opens the door as if there's an invisible chauffeur standing there to open the door and let you in. Now the second application that Tesla has already shown us that could be of use here could be the implementation that they choose is what the prototype Roadster has which is no door handles at all and instead you swipe down on the B pillar right next to the the door there with presumably, I don't actually know this for a fact, but presumably with either the key fob or more likely the phone key in your pocket. And so the car senses that and then you swipe down and that pops the door open from there. Now I suspect the Cybertruck will not go with the latter Roadster option. And the reason I say that is because the Cybertruck its, its whole purpose is to be rugged and tough. People are going to be having their Cybertrucks at job sites. They're going to be wearing thick work gloves at those job sites when they want to get into the truck. So I very much doubt that Tesla would require a finger swipe on, the, on a B pillar or anywhere else on a, you know, on a touchpad. So unless Tesla has come up with an entirely new solution for this, which again, I think is very, very possible and perhaps even the most likely outcome, I presume they're going to take the Model X approach with the Cybertruck doors. Next up this week, let's talk Model Y. It is off to a very fast start in China. It only just went into production at the turn of the new calendar year here, 2021, but it is already the number three selling electric vehicle in the country for the month of February. 
Now, in fairness to the Model Y, uh, or I guess more like in fairness to the top two cars, those top two are just head and shoulders above the rest of this list. Uh, And then the rest of them, starting with the Model Y at number three, are all fairly bunched up together, but it's nevertheless a really good showing for for a car that Giga Shanghai has not even hit full speed on from a production perspective. Now, these numbers come by way of EV sales blog, although I did see this story initially on Tesla Roddy, so a tip of the cap there. And the number one selling electric vehicle in China for the month of February is a domestic product called the Wuling Hongwang Mini EV, which sold just over 20,000 units in February, which makes that puts it on at least a 250,000 per year uh, production pace. That's very impressive for any EV, for any car, really. Number two is the Model 3, and that's at 13,688. So head and shoulders above the rest, as you'll see in a second here, but the, the number one, the, the Wuling, uh, quite a bit ahead of the Model 3, but the Model 3, quite a bit ahead of everything else, starting at number three with the Model Y, Four uh, four thousand six hundred and thirty. So the Model Three at about three times the uh, Model Y, and then it's just Model Y and everything else rounding out the rest of the list. But still top three for Model Y. The other notable thing here: Tesla is the only foreign EV automaker that's anywhere close to the top of the list. The rest of the top twenty are all domestic Chinese companies until. You get to the BMW 530LE at number 16 and the BMW iX3 at number 20, the last one on the top 20. So I suppose that is as much of a compliment to Chinese automakers that are taking EVs seriously as it is also a compliment to Tesla for coming into China and making a great product that, uh, that consumers there want to buy. I'm going to be curious to see how the Y does in the coming months as production continues to ramp up and the year moves on. And also, too, no doubt it's going to be word of mouth will pick up on the Model Y also. Now, if you're wondering, okay, what what is this Wuling Hongwang Mini EV, which I also wondered, I had to look it up. Well, here's a little bit about that car, courtesy of the EV sales blog. They say, It is one of the cheapest EVs on the market. It is the U.S. dollar equivalent of $4,400. And uh, they mention that it is, it can seat four people or three plus cargo or two with a good bit of cargo. And the car, it's tiny, as you would guess. Uh, It is, it is, they say it's a tad larger than the Smart for Two EV. And if you, you may have seen the Smart car around, you know how, it's like a shoe in car form. Now, the range is not great. The smaller battery in the uh, Hongwang has a 9.2 kilowatt hour battery and the top spec version, a 13.8 kilowatt hour battery. It's also a very tiny motor, 27 horsepower. Yes, that's 27. That's, there's no zero on the end of that. But again, it's super tiny, so it does not need a big battery. It does not need a lot of horsepower. Uh, it does, I think it looks a lot like the Smart 4 too, if you're curious. So just Google image search it if you're curious to see what I mean. So then the you got the 3 and the Y, and, and the 3 in particular came reasonably close. I mean, the, the, the Hong Wong was a good bit ahead, but the 3 was even in the neighborhood despite costing roughly 10 times more than the Mini EV does. I think that speaks pretty well of Tesla, don't you? Next this week, Tesla's proposed 62-stall V3 supercharger station near downtown Santa Monica that I've talked about a couple of times. Well, that project might not be dead just yet. Tesla Roddy writes, Santa Monica City Council members indicate that Tesla could still open up the project eventually as long as the scenario is right, but it sounds like it won't be in that same location. Council member Kevin McCown said via the Santa Monica Daily Press, quote, I've already been working with city staff to see if we can get Tesla and the property owner 
to come back with such a project, end quote. Now, the proposed supercharger location is a perfect spot for, a, for new appealing apartment complexes, according to McCown. Quote, the Tesla site is at the intersection of major bus routes with two bus stops, one on the boulevard and one on 14th Street. And while EV charging is a laudable amenity, one I have championed over the years, it could be done in a mixed-use format that provides housing as well. If we'd exempted their existing proposal from the temporary commercial-only moratorium, we might instead have had to swap into our housing element suitable sites inventory other parcels where residents live currently. I'd prefer to protect, uh, to both protect current residents from redevelopment of their homes for what would likely be less affordable housing, albeit more of it, and provide EV charging in a format that makes wiser use of scarce land in a crucial location, end quote. Uh, Tesla Roddy says that another council member, Noelani Derrickson, petitioned to have Tesla's supercharger project exempted from the emergency ordinance. Derrickson said Tesla has been working closely with the Santa Monica planning staff for over six months, highlighting the advantages a supercharger station would have in the location that was proposed. The council member said, quote, Tesla has been working closely with Santa Monica planning staff for over half a year now on a Tesla electric vehicle fast charging station that includes solar energy and battery storage within the mid-city neighborhood, end quote. Well, there are plenty of Teslas down there. I can personally assure you, having spent a good bit of time in Santa Monica for, like I said, several days a year, every year up until the pandemic last year and this year, but there, there are a ton of Teslas down in Santa Monica and, and city leaders there seem to recognize that. So there is a community use for this. I, I personally won't go so far as to say a community need for it since, I mean, number one, I don't live there and that's, I'm not really equipped to judge whether it is a need or not. Although I would also probably just point to the Tesla's range. Any Tesla's range is significant enough where you probably don't need a supercharger in Santa Monica, but it would be nice. Um, anyway, the good news is it does sound like, as you heard there, the quotes from the council members, it sounds like Tesla and the city are going to keep talking to try and find another spot for it. Hopefully they will be able to work something out and still have a giant supercharger station with the solar canopy and, and other fun stuff. Next this week, you can now purchase a Tesla using Bitcoin. I am not personally 100% certain, but I'm going to go with 99.9% certain that this is a first. I don't believe you can buy any other car, regardless on any in any other country at all, period, with Bitcoin. Now, this is only available in the United States for now, but Elon Musk says, quote, pay by Bitcoin capability available outside the U.S. later this year. He also added... Tesla is using only internal and open source software and operates Bitcoin nodes directly. Bitcoin paid to Tesla will be retained as Bitcoin, not converted to fiat currency, end quote. Now, uh, I have to admit here, I, I try to keep up with everything. I try to be hip and cool, but I, cryptocurrency, total blind spot for me. Uh, this... <laughs> I got. I started to wonder when I was putting my notes together for the show, is this one of the first signs that I'm getting old after, after something that, that I've thought for years now, which is the last great era of music was the 90s. So I, th I think, it, you know, getting old doesn't happen overnight, but it, it happens with, with little things like this, with your music taste and then with having no idea how cryptocurrency really works. But in all seriousness, uh, I do imagine that this Bitcoin move will absolutely make Teslas more appealing to younger buyers who are, unlike me, savvier with cryptocurrency. Although, granted, not that Tesla had any trouble appealing to young people before this, but I really do think that this is going to be something that friends tell each other about. It'll be like, hey, I bought my car with Bitcoin. And your friend will be like, what car? And you'll say a Tesla. And your friend will be like, cool, I'm going to do that too. Because uh, that's just awesome that you can just do that with complete, uh, completely with cryptocurrency. Now, 
I will say I also have no idea how this is going to get reported in the company's quarterly financials, but I suppose that's why Tesla has a master of coin, Zach Kirkhorn. He's a master of uh, both physical coins and digital ones as well. Finally this week, remember how we just talked about Tesla tequila after it got restocked and then uh, it went away again in like two seconds? And then I mentioned, I reminded everybody on this podcast, I think it was just last week, remember that, that Elon has said that the empty bottle and shot glasses would be sold in lieu of additional batches of the tequila, which, you know, they can't just brew more of that <laughs> overnight. Can't just, can't just make more of that overnight. Well, the empty bottle is here, uh, but there's a ca- two catches. One... The shot glasses are not with it. Uh, and two, the lightning bottle is only available as of, as of this recording in Europe and in China. There is nothing for, as of me recording this, there is nothing on the North American online Tesla store. Here's the description from the European Tesla online shop. Quote, inspired by Tesla tequila, the Tesla decanter is the perfect touch for your bar. Lightning-shaped, each hand-blown bottle can hold up to 750 milliliters of your favorite alcohol. Featuring both the Tesla emblem and the gold T logo, this exclusive collector's item placed on a polished metal stand to be an eye-catcher is ideal for any occasion, end quote. The, if you're curious, the Tesla decanter is expected to be shipped within six to eight weeks, so there's still a bit of a wait for it, and it is priced at... RMB 779 in China, that uh, equates to roughly $119, according to Tesla Rati, and 150 euros, or currently about $176 in Europe. Now, I gotta th- say, it's probably only fair that uh, Europe and China get first crack at this, given that I don't believe that either of those countries, either of those territories, were able to purchase the actual Tesla tequila when it was available for sale due to, again, some sort of regulation about shipping alcohol. All right, that is everything in the another busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me, there is plenty more left in this podcast, including a number of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls, a lot of great Tesla topics, and more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Time for the Ride the Lightning hotline, where you can call into the podcast, be featured, ask a question, talk a little Tesla. I'm going to kick things off with, uh, I confess, I couldn't quite want to make sure I get the name right here. It's one of those things where I listen to it and you can't quite, like, what is that, the phone connection? I think it might be Quinn from Ohio, but uh, before I get to that call, I want to remind you how to participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I would welcome and encourage you to do so. I love having other voices on the podcast here, hearing from the community. So uh, you can either record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software voice memo on iPhone and whatever the they call it on uh, on Android devices as well. Just email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Please try to keep your question or comment to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many each week as possible. Or uh, if that is not as convenient, you can just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, day or night, 24-7. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake, Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And here is the aforementioned, I think, Quinn. If I got your name wrong here, I very much apologize. But anyway, on with the call. Hey, Ryan. Tim from Ohio. First, glad that 
Daisy the Boxer Puppy sounds to be doing better. My wife and daughter and I have been talking about our next road trip, and like a lot of families during the pandemic, we are really itching to get out there. We currently own a Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Love it, but we didn't really buy it with the thought that we'd be road tripping a lot in it, and we've just been using it for smaller road trips because we like it so much. What we've been wondering is, since you sat in the Cybertruck, what do you think the road tripping in the Cybertruck will be compared to something like the Model Y? Which do you think might be a better purchase? Because for about fifty grand, you're going to get pretty comparable specs. We'd like to hear your opinion. Thanks for the podcast. Bye. Quinn, thank you so much for the call. Uh, they are obviously entirely different vehicles with entirely different purposes, but you're right. They might both end up being roughly fifty grand for roughly 300 miles. Uh, the Y might gain a bit of range by the time the Cybertruck rolls out, and at least it rolling out in big numbers next year. And we don't know exactly what the final EPA rated range on the dual motor Cybertruck is going to be. But if we're ignoring everything else and just looking at them as which one would you want to take a family road trip in, then honestly, I think it is kind of a toss up. The Cybertruck's wider by a lot. So you've got more lateral lateral room, hip room. The headroom is huge in the Cybertruck, either in either the first or the second row. I can personally attest to that. But uh, then again, headroom's not a problem in the Y. Okay, so uh, both are good. The Cybertruck seem to ride fine from the very, very brief one-minute test ride I was lucky enough to get in it. And it's possible that it might even ride a bit better than the Y due to the adaptive air suspension that the Cybertruck's got. Now, will the Y get a suspension update between now and then? Maybe. We've seen hints of that pop up, so we shall see. But honestly, it's pretty darn close. Uh, I can tell you that the bugs on the front end of the car will be of zero concern on the stainless steel Cybertruck versus, you know, with the Y, you might want to bring some cleaner and a good soft microfiber towel and not let those bug guts settle in on your Model Y paint if you don't have paint protection film on there. Finally, as far as seating capacity, the Cybertruck technically seats six, but you are not going to really want anybody in that front middle seat on a road trip. So let's call the Cybertruck a five-seater for road trip purposes, whereas the Y can seat up to five adults and two kids if you opt for the seven-seater. So ultimately... Barring any upgrades to the Model Y between now and next year, which, let's be honest, it is likely that there will be some upgrades, since we already know that the Y is going to be getting an under-the-skin overhaul with the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack coming out of Giga Berlin and presumably Giga Texas, It's I feel like it's pretty much a coin toss between which of those two is a better road-tripping vehicle and probably, uh, you know, it's going to be best left to your personal preference. But I really honestly don't think, at least sitting here on paper, that one is going to be materially better, like clearly, obviously better than the other one for road tripping. Great call. Thank you so much. Marty from Hollywood is next, responding to Mike from Indiana, who was calling in uh, on a previous episode about wanting to get a Model Y to fill in the gap until Cybertruck. Go ahead, Marty. Hello, this is Marty from uh, Hollywood, California. Regarding Mike's question last week about possibly renting a Model Y since his uh, Cybertruck may be more than a year off or whatever, um, he does have the option of leasing a Model Y, and at the end, and let's say the Cybertruck becomes available and there's still eight months or more left on the uh, on the lease or any amount of time for that matter. There are sites out there that you can lease the balance uh, of the time. I believe that price is negotiable. You may lose a little each month, but uh, you could check it out and uh, perhaps come close to having your lease covered by somebody who only wants to lease your car for whatever two to months to a year or two is left. Um, I forget the name of the company. I was looking into it at one time. There is one or two of them at least. Hope that helps. I'm thinking of doing the same thing. Thank you for that, Marty. You know, another person emailed in about that too. And, and now that you mention it, I, I feel like I have heard about that before, though I've, I mean, I've not done it personally, but 
Hopefully that helps Mike with his decision. I always love when fellow listeners call in to help out their own fellow listeners. That's part of the reason I love this section of the podcast. Speaking of which, Chris from Arizona calling in, also responding to Mike from Indiana, uh, and he's got his own question to bring up here that I thought was worth playing. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan, this is Chris in Arizona, and I had a thought for um, Mark in Illinois. He was thinking about his Cybertruck and what to do in the meantime before he gets it. And to all those other folks who are thinking about getting Cybertrucks, um, and obviously there's a lot of orders. Well, there were a ton of pre-orders for the Model 3. I remember them saying there were half a million or more. Um, I was one of those who reserved on the first day, but probably reservation number 100,000. So when the car started, and believe that that's five years ago, a little over five years ago, that's crazy. Anyway, the car came, you know, two years later, um, they're starting to deliver Model 3s, and I decided when I went and looked at it that I didn't like having a trunk, I wanted to have a hatchback um, because I have a big dog, whatever. I decided to buy a used Model S. So as soon as I bought my used Model S, my sales rep said, now that you're a Tesla owner, would you like to keep your reservation for the Model 3 because you can order it now? I'm like, What? I thought it was going to be another year before I got my order in for a Model 3. Now, I decided not to at the time. I just rolled that $1,000 into my new used car. So um, if history proves right, um, you know, the next big uh, car, that, truck, actually a truck that uh, Tesla has tons of orders for, um, I'm guessing they're probably going to prioritize to Tesla owners first um, in order sort of, by region, like they did with the Model 3. Um, I'm in Cal- Arizona. Uh, Arizona, California seem to get it a little sooner than other parts of the country, but then it spread out pretty fast. So just a thought, and maybe instead of buying a brand new Model Y or leasing a brand new Model Y, he might think of buying a used Tesla that's already been depreciated a little bit so that when he goes to sell it in a few years, he doesn't take a big hit or a bigger hit on depreciation. Anyway, just my thoughts. Talk to you later. Bye. Chris, thanks for your call. You know, how quickly we all forget that, as you correctly noted, existing SNX owners were given priority for ordering the Model 3 back in fall of 2017 and even a little bit into early 2018 before it was late February that it opened up to the non-owners because I remember distinctly, I actually remember exactly where I was. I don't know why. Again, I guess I'm super obsessed with Tesla, probably to a a not an unhealthy degree, but it was February 22nd, I guess. Cause I remembered it. Cause it was just two, two, two February 22nd of 2018. I was in Seattle on a business trip. In fact, I was at undead labs. I'll just tell you where I was. Cause it's not a secret anymore. The makers of state of decay. I was there to see their then new game in development state of decay Two. And the email came in and I remember, cause I knew I was waiting for the performance model And it was a very strange email. It's like I'd been waiting for that email for over a year, right? In fact, no, almost at that point, almost two years. The email that says, come and configure your Model 3. And I just sat on it because I was waiting for the performance version. But anyway, no regrets for me. Uh, Anyhow, back to your call. That... uh, Anyway, that that moment was such a pivotal one, pivotal one for the company. Boy, I can't speak today. I apologize. The, the meaning the Model 3, the production of the Model 3, such a pivotal moment. There was so much riding on the Model 3. I mean, as Elon said, it was a bet the company moment that they needed those early 3s to go into the hands of trusted, experienced Tesla owners to make sure everything was good to go. Basically, they wanted friendlies to get the car. They weren't ready to send it out to just, you know, to new people like me, um, you know, which I it makes sense. I, I do understand why they did it. Now, Tesla no longer has that problem. Uh, that's the good news. So I'm sure we, I, I don't think, I won't say I'm sure, but I am confident that we probably will not see existing Tesla owners get priority on Cybertruck orders. They might. I'm just, I will say I'm not expecting it. So We'll find out in about, oh, six to nine months or so. Thanks, Chris. Let's stay in Arizona. We're in the Arizona block of callers here. Chris in Arizona. Here's Jason from Tucson. Hey, Ryan. Jason from Tucson. I'm a longtime listener and a first-time caller. About two years ago in 2019, on an anniversary trip with my wife up to Sedona, 
My wife, knowing how much I've always wanted a Tesla, suggested that we stop in Scottsdale to take a Model 3 out for a test drive. Well, (laughs) bad move. That test drive was life-changing. Since then, it became apparent that no other car was going to cut it for me. I decided right there definitively that my next car would be a Model 3. Well, flash forward to 2021, and this is the year. We just finished paying off my wife's car, and my car is definitely ready to retire. However, with all the talk of the EV tax credit reform, I'm wondering if it would be best to wait. I know there's no way you can answer that for me, but the possibility of leaving potentially $7,000 on the table is giving me serious apprehension about pulling the trigger, and I'm sure I'm not alone here. If the proposed reform were to be retroactive, I would have no hesitation. But from my understanding, at least with one of the several bills that have been proposed, it would not be retroactive. I'm sure there are many out there like me that were planning on purchasing their Tesla soon, but now maybe in a holding pattern until we hear more about the proposed legislation. Just curious to hear your thoughts on this. Thanks so much for your time. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Oh, and pats and belly rubs to Daisy. So very glad to hear that she's doing better. Take care, and until next time. Hey, Jason, welcome to the hotline. Uh, I will pass along your pets to Daisy, I promise. She's just over there sleeping now. Regarding your call, I would not wait around if you're ready this year. That's my honest assessment. I mean, there's been no movement on that bill, to the best of my knowledge, and obviously the entire Tesla and EV community is keeping a close eye on it. You are correct in that if that new tax credit did get passed, it would not apply retroactively. I mean, I suppose in the end, it depends on how patient you are. If you're willing to wait, say, an entire year or more to see if the bill goes anywhere, then by all means, wait, no problem. But in that time, your existing gas car that that you said is very ready to be retired is going to continue costing you money at least from uh, fuel for sure, and possibly out of warranty maintenance as well, depending on what comes up. And I don't know what your warranty situation is either, but if you have an extended warranty or something, but everyone makes their own decision here, of course. But whenever you do decide to jump in, I'm pretty confident that you're going to be happy. Thanks, Jason. And rounding out the block of Arizona calls, Mike from Phoenix. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Ryan, it's Mike from Phoenix. Uh, long-time listener, and uh, I have a question relating to a noise I hear in my Model Y uh, when I approach a temperature uh, between 45 and 50 degrees. I hear uh, a metal like a, a metal noise uh, as if the bottom plate of the car is adjusting to the temperature. It's kind of like a knocking noise, and I'm curious to see if uh, you've heard anybody else mentioned that or if the community has any feedback on that. Uh, Thank you. Love the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Mike, I believe you're referring to the battery breathers. They are hoses that coolant passes through, if I remember correctly from when uh, I had mine dealt with. It's when pressure changes, air pressure changes, and it seems to really only happen in cooler weather, you will hear a thunk as the pressure changes in those hoses. I had this issue on my Model 3 uh, back when it was loud enough that Tesla actually issued a service bulletin for all of the older Model 3s, basically the first year of production cars or so, to replace those battery breathers with new ones. So now, as with your Model Y, it does still make the sound in that situation, but it's not nearly as loud as it used to be. It's kind of more of just a weird quirk, honestly, and uh, the good news is it's nothing to be concerned about. Thanks so much for your call, and that wraps up the Arizona block. I go now to Evan in St. Louis, a Model Y owner. Hey, Ryan. This is Evan in St. Louis. So I thought of you yesterday when I got into my Model Y and noticed I had a sentry mode notification. And when I pulled it up, it recorded a gentleman walking up to my car, putting his hands on the windows, looking in the windows, you know, multiple windows trying to see in. I've got it fairly heavily tinted. But anyway, it made me think about a comment you made about Cybertruck owners needing to be prepared for fingerprints and other 
other issues of people just wanting to walk up and touch their car based on your experience as a DeLorean owner. So it gave me an idea. Since Teslas have an external speaker, I thought it would be kind of funny if they incorporated some type of walkie-talkie feature with your phone, if you observe somebody doing this from a distance, to be able to connect your phone to the car and say something to the person that's looking in your car, you know, like step away from the vehicle or, hey man, back off, don't touch my stuff. I don't know, just a random thought. It kind of bothered me that uh, this guy would just be so inconsiderate as to walk up and, you know, look in and try to see see in my car maybe scratch the pain he didn't do anything but it's just frustrating um that's all enjoy the show hope uh, daisy the boxer is regaining her health thanks ryan hey evan well without seeing the footage i would be inclined to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he's maybe just heard about tesla and has never really seen one up close and just wanted to check it out hopefully he wasn't casing your car looking for valuables but uh, yes, I would be very down for turning your Tesla into a megaphone using the Tesla app if you've got the pedestrian warning speaker installed in your car. Uh, that sound, I tell you, that sounds like something that, you know, other than the very relevant use case that you suggested, would also just be used to goof around with, and thus something that Elon Musk would probably think is amusing. And as such, I wouldn't put it past him at all. Thank you very much for your call, Evan. Thanks to everybody that dialed in this week. Again, I welcome you. I encourage you to call in and participate in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I gave you the dial-in instructions at the top of the segment, so check those out if you missed them. And otherwise, stick with me. The show is not over yet. Your pro tip of the week and a little more coming up right after this. Before I get to the pro tip of the week this week, which is from Kevin in Iowa, I did have a good entertainment recommendation for this week. It's a show on Discovery Plus, which I confess I don't have, but I downloaded the app and there's a seven day free trial and I was able to binge all four episodes of this in that time and then just cancel it. But it's on Discovery Plus and it's called Expedition Back to the Future. The host is Josh Gates, and I guess his he hosts a show called Expedition where he goes and they look for rare things. And this was like a special miniseries uh, version of it. Four shows, four episodes. And the, the hook is he connects with Christopher Lloyd, and they go and try and find an original film-used Back to the Future DeLorean to donate to Michael J. Fox's foundation to try and raise a bunch of money for Parkinson's research. So, and it's, I don't want to like ruin it for you. I will say it's like, it's clearly scripted. It's clearly kind of set up, but it's really incredibly heartwarming. And they got a lot of the original cast of Back to the Future back in some really clever little cameos. It's just very sweet. It's very heartwarming, which I don't know about you. I need that here in the pandemic era more than ever. And for me also, there's actually, there are several of my DeLorean friends in it, people that I know really well from the community. There are DeLorean uh, technicians in it that have worked on my, or the well, that had worked on my DeLorean when I had it. So it was really neat to see some familiar faces and some friends, but it's really good. You actually learn a little bit if you don't know much about the history of of uh, the cars in Back to the Future. There was not just one, there were a number of them and it kind of goes into it, and it's it's really good. It's four parts, like I said, on Discovery Plus, Expedition, Back to the Future. I definitely recommend it. Kevin from Iowa, as I mentioned, has our pro tip of the week this week. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, Ryan. Kevin from Iowa here with a pro tip of the week. When driving on autopilot, when the nag comes up to apply force to the wheel, alternatively, you can pull on the autopilot stalk, which serves the same function. Uh, the only thing I found on my 2020 Model S is when Navigate on autopilot is trying to change lanes, you have to pull and hold the stock for about a second to a second and a half uh, for it to register. I found this is really useful, especially when driving in tight construction zones where I don't want to 
turn the wheel for fear of pulling it off of autopilot and then back into manual control. Hope this helps somebody out there. Thanks. Thank you so much, Kevin. As a Model 3 owner, I didn't know this one since up until the refresh, the S and X, as you know, have a separate stock for autopilot. So I suspect you've just helped many a Model S and X owner. Thank you very much for that. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, I encourage you to email it in uh, via a phone call, via the same way that you send in the hotline calls, either by dialing the toll-free number that I gave you earlier or recording it on your smartphone and then emailing that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. With that, just some plugs here, some friends of the podcast. First, let me mention shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. Like I said, they've got that really nice uh, dog hammock for either the back seat of your Tesla or, or if you've got the, well, S, X, or Y, basically anything but the three, you can also get one for the cargo area as well, the hatchback cargo area. So uh, either way, if you bring your dog along with you and your Tesla and you don't want to have your pet mess up the seats with dirty paws, if you've got the white seats like I do, or even if you've got the black seats and you just don't want uh, you don't want the doggo's paws on there, highly encourage you to grab one of those. Again, shop.teslarati.com RTL. Meanwhile, there's the snap plate. Just had another order come through there. Glad to see another happy customer. Got a message on Patreon from uh, that person. Thank you very much. And the snap plate is your one-stop shop for a front license plate bracket that won't interfere with anything, the grill, the radiator, the autopilot, or the paint. It gets on and off easily, but when it is on, it's on securely. But you can take it on and off with the included tool for uh, take it off for car shows, take it off when you're washing it, put it back on if you're going to be parked at a parking meter, if you're going to go through a bridge toll, etc., etc. So get yours for any of the four Teslas at everyamp.com RTL. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com, the home of the rear footwell lighting kit, which I definitely recommend. Uh, just, you know, really enhance your interior lighting, that ambient lighting in the car. The drop-in cup holder stabilizer. You've got the tempered glass screen protectors. All kinds of good stuff there, as I always like to say. The Costco of Tesla accessories, and I mean that in the very best of ways. Go to abstractocean.com. Pile everything that interests you into your cart and then use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. And that's RTLPODCAST, all one word, all squished together. How about Immaculate Reflections? Your home for wonderful, professional, amazing detail work in the San Francisco Bay Area, the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you are either here or going to be here with your car, I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough. I'm going to be there again myself soon because if you remember uh, when I had my garage door, my my attempted break-in at my home through the garage and the the window and they try to get in, the the goal is they, they stick like a hook through, they break the window, the top window of the garage door, they try to stick the hook through and try to get your manual release cord to tug on that and then they, you know, that props that opens the garage door a little and they want to just lift the door right open, walk into your garage and steal a bunch of stuff and leave. Well, thankfully that didn't happen uh, because I, what was the reason they didn't get it? Oh yeah, I'd already wrapped the cord around and now I've taken other measures to make sure that doesn't happen again. But anyway, the point is when that happened, as you may remember me talking about a couple months ago, I was an idiot and tried to take a little broom handle and sweep the glass, the broken glass off the trunk lid of my car. That was dumb. Should have used my shop vac. Didn't think about it. And as a result, got some gouges, basically. Just, not you know, nothing crazy. It's not like through, through to the paint or anything, but the paint protection film, which thankfully it was there, but the paint protection film is, uh, is scratched and it's not going to heal. So, I'm going to go in pretty soon to Immaculate Reflections and have that taken care of. Uh, And that's, again, self-inflicted mistake there. It's my own darn fault. I mean, it would help. It would have been nice if if, uh, people hadn't attempted to break into my garage and broken the glass. But ultimately, uh, I kind of goofed by not cleaning that up properly. Anyway, uh, that was a long-winded story. 
This plug's getting way too long. Let me just say again, irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a listener of the podcast if you decide to email Jeff. And there is a discount waiting for you should you book service for your car, whether it's paint protection, meaning paint protection film, paint correction, and or uh, ceramic coating. Whatever you, whatever service you want to do for your car, there's a discount waiting for you by virtue of you being a listener of this podcast. PureTesla.com slash RTL, quick one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. This is a nice, easy micro SD-based solution, free shipping in the United States, reasonably priced, $49 for the 128-gigabyte kit. I am a very satisfied user of this myself. PureTesla.com slash RTL. In my opinion, every new Tesla owner should get this because it's going to be much more reliable in the long term than the USB flash drive that Tesla now includes with the cards, uh, with cars rather. My goodness. I am losing my ability to speak words properly. So it's that, that tells me it's time to wrap this thing up. <laughs> Meanwhile, over at Jada, my friends there, go to getjada.com slash ref slash eight Use the coupon code RTL, and there's a discount waiting for you. 25 bucks, in fact, off of the new Jada Tray, a tech-focused center console organizer. It is there. It will charge your AirPods or, you know, your your wireless charging-capable headphones, like uh, AirPods or Pixel Buds. So that's a cool use, and it just helps keep your center console organized. You don't have stuff just loose, rattling around down in there. So grab that. Uh, there's also they also sell of course the wireless charging pad for the 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 pre 2021 Model 3s. That is again my personal all time favorite Tesla accessory that I have in my car. Uh, they also even have the USB hub that can pair with their SSD drive. They got a whole line of stuff going, so just check it out. Getjada.com/ref/slash eight. Please use that link. That's my referral link. And that coupon code RTL will get you a discount off of whatever you want to buy out of that uh, out of all their line of products. Finally, I'll just mention my Patreon. That is the place you can go if you choose to support the podcast. If you uh, see fit to it at some point, hopefully I earn your support. That is my goal by putting in the hard work and the enthusiasm, the research. Hopefully my work speaks for itself. Uh, And I'm here every Sunday. I pride myself on that. So if at some point in time, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next month, maybe you might uh, decide, you know what? I'm going to support Ryan on Patreon because I think it's worth it. You can start, I mean, the the support tiers start at five bucks a month. And even that will get you early access to the show each week. So, and then there's, it goes up from there and all those cool little perks and bonuses stack. So um, the higher your pledge, the more neat stuff you get in return for supporting me. So you can find information about that and you can actually support me at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Again, my email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan in both places. Should one or both of those be of interest to you? If you if you can't get enough of me, <laughs> um, there's more of me on social media. And finally, let me say hi to the uh, upper tier of the Patreon supporters, the Roadster and Space tier. Thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner. Excuse me, Steve Radspinner. Steve, I'm so sorry. My fr- see, I told you I can't speak today. I gotta go. I gotta get the heck to bed. My friend on Twitter at Rodam. Fernando Cordero and Lawton from Chicago, the Maximum Plaid crew. Uh, we've got Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, as well as Michael Williams and MT. Thank you all very much, and I hope to speak to a lot of you on this upcoming weekend's uh, Patreon Google Hangout. 
And then the plaid crew, can't forget them, of course. George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners Club of the East Bay, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, and Travis Krenzel. Thank you all very, very much for your ongoing Tesla support on Patreon. For a now snoring Daisy the Boxer, what else is new here at the end of the show late at night on a Friday? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 295. Hope you had a good time listening this week. I appreciate your time in doing so. And with that, happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.